0: Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben, and I'm Bruce, and this is your podcast for January twenty third, twenty twenty two, the third Sunday after the Epiphany in Year C, and we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And Bruce, how are you today?
1: I'm good. My birthday is January twenty sixth, so I am looking forward to. You're looking forward to being 130 years old. I have no problem. Yeah, sixty two. Sixty two. Very good. And there, <laughs> no one thought I'd make it. <laughs> totally not true.
0: So what's what's the ask? What's the what's the birthday ask? What's it like a, world a new new shears to, for trimming the hedges? What a, a brand new car? What like what's the range? What, what are we doing here?
1: End of homelessness. End uh, of homelessness. Or get on that, piece, Kathy. Or uh, Kathy, kids, take notes. Or a razor to shave my beard better. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> a new beard trimmer. It's one of these things where I've had the, the same electric trimmer for about 30 years. Uh-huh. And it's finally beginning to... I think it's cracked now in a way that I won't be able to glue it back together. But we'll see. A Maybe 30-year-old
0: beard trimmer probably should be re- re- replaced. Yeah, unless, okay. you are, unless you are going for... I'm going to say this because of its antiqueness. <laughs> I mean...
1: Oh... <laughs> I thought there'd be more. No, no, that's like yeah, I, I this wanted... company
0: is now defunct. There are only 300 of them. You know, I'm going to, you Man. know, it's a
1: I thought you were going to say like it's going to go on the from or something. the 90s. That's what you have to have.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Well, very good well, a preemptive happy birthday. Thank uh, you. And um uh, that that is very exciting. Um but that's not it's not exactly uh, a a, a Church event, so no, not uh, at all,
1: not at not all. At all.
0: <laughs> Wink,
1: uh, no, no saying happy birthday at the offertory, please.
0: Okay, fair, fair, fair. Um, uh, but as far as church events go, uh, we've got a number of them coming up. Yep. We've got our, we're, we're gonna have our, uh, uh, discussion on uh the hidden figures movie movies with a social conscience on my birthday january 26th on on, and that's going to be on zoom Zoom. on a zoom
1: at 7 p.m
0: okay uh and that makes it the the 20 uh 26th 26th so that's going to be the following wednesday tuesday wednesday it's a thursday thursday (laughs) I don't, do, I don't do math and dates no combined, I know that's so it's weird. my
1: birthday and I have to make sure I don't do too much that yeah, disrupts yeah. what people want to do for me. Uh,
0: we've got that. We've got the on, – on January 30th, we've got our um, parish, uh, yeah, annual, parish annual, meeting. annual meeting. Which will be live streamed at 9 right. a.m. as well as – Right. So it will be in, be in between the 8 and 10 o'clock service mm-hmm. the, so that the annual meeting will be live streamed and then we'll move over to uh, – and, and then I'll – Cut feed,
1: <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> and uh, uh, we'll do the yeah. uh, the, the ten a.m. Uh, broadcast uh, uh, live, and yeah. then we, and we'll
1: we'll have both the eight and ten o'clock service on that Sunday. Some some churches combine services or right. something like that, but we're not.
0: Okay, so we will still do eight and ten in yeah. person, and the nine o'clock annual meeting in place of forum. Yeah, uh, and, and, and and there'll uh, be education. activities
1: for kids and good, 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 um, teens, and anyone else who might be bored by the annual meeting. You can.
0: Oh, so the nursery will be full of adults.
1: No, the, <laughs> anyone above nursery age will be in the church doing stuff okay. during the meeting. So, okay. like the teenagers are going to be making valentines for people who might not cool. otherwise get one. Cool. Very yeah, cool. so I bet adults could join in that. Cool.
0: Very cool. Uh, then the following week, we're going to have a special visitor uh, on February. Nope. Th- no, no, She's not a visitor. I'm sorry. I apologize. The Words were incorrect. We are going to have... Someone
1: special join us. That's not too great either. <laughs> okay, what would you say? The bishop, yes, who is a member of every congregation. Okay, okay, will be preaching and celebrating at eight and ten on February whatever date. sixth, sixth. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay, I see your poor, I see your nuanced point. Well, and the poor woman, she's been. You know, bishop for four or five years now, <laughs> and, and two of those
0: years have been like pandemic. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> some something that you have a very similar story for. <laughs> yes, <laughs> being rector here, and uh, but anyway, she during that whole time she's been emphatic to not welcome her to the parish when she makes a visit because it makes it sound like she's a visitor. Gotcha. And she I wants gotcha. people to really have a sense that she's a, a she is a. Integral part Mm -hmm. of every congregation in the diocese. She
0: celebrates it with us every Sunday, even if not in person.
1: Which is a very ancient theology of bishops. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I can go into all sorts of trivia, but we won't. No, no, no. The trivia is next. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I will tell one thing. Yes. That older Episcopalians or current Roman Catholics might be aware of a tradition of when the bread is broken at a holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. A tiny bit would be dropped into the chalice.
0: Okay, yes, and I've seen this.
1: That came out of a tradition where when every city had a bishop and they started to have more than one congregation, so you know, this is in the something hundreds, uh-huh. people were reluctant to see the Eucharist as for real unless the bishop was the one who celebrated it. They were so used to having a single bishop, a single congregation, Mm -hmm. that having just a priest celebrate wasn't seen sufficient. So, the bishop for a city would consecrate a bunch of bread, not a huge amount, and then send runners from that service to all the congregations in the city and Oh. The priest would drop a tiny piece of bread mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the chalice that everyone would drink from, so that everyone could share in the communion of the bishop.
0: Okay, because I've actually seen that here. Yeah, and I just assumed it was people who were sloppy with their bread.
1: Well, and <laughs> <laughs> well, and I used to, when I was a kid, I thought it was oh, it's the reunification of the body and blood of Jesus. Hmm. It's it's not that spooky. <laughs> Okay, but but it is one of those things that happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago and for and there are many priests even who have no idea what the history of it is Hmm. so now some people who are listening to this podcast know stuff that a lot of clergy don't know
0: interesting
1: and probably only a few clergy even care about
0: (laughs) it's tradition the end (laughs) It's a cool ritual. I'm going to do it. Right. All I know is if I stop doing it, so-and-so in the congregation will give me a lecture. <laughs> All right. And I don't want that. Right. <laughs> For the sake of peace in the valley. Right. Right, right, right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to this day in church history. Um, re, 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 re. re. <laughs> uh, this day in church history, which would be January 20th, or uh, yeah, 23rd. <laughs> Let me get the date right. Okay. Uh, uh, our first event uh, starts in 1589, and that the Moscow Patriarchate—now that I've said it right—is created, making the Russian Church uh, autocephalous. That is subject to no higher bishop. Did I say it wrong?
1: No, you did say it right. But it's just one of those you know, <laughs> sixth-grade boy things that makes me giggle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Uh, uh there there are still some uh details that get ironed out for the next 4 years, but in practice the Russian Church has been independent for 100 and, uh, 140 years before the Orthodox Church of Constantinople formally recognizes the de facto situation. So, uh they were uh I don't know if that means that they were the first to do it, but they uh they 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 beat the Orthodox Church uh uh, um by 140 years apparently. Uh,
1: um, yeah, that's that's one of the things I didn't realize until I you know, had to learn about it. Um that the the orthodox tradition which includes, you know, Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, mm-hmm. um v- virtually every nation including the United States has an orthodox branch <clears throat> that's identified by the nation how even though it it's so traditional in its liturgy in its worship, mm-hmm. the quality of it is kind of chaotic. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, especially in the United States where immigrants from various orthodox countries want to keep their own tradition, and that any given east coast city might have four or five at least orthodox churches all of whom are under a different bishop mm-hmm. who is in Europe.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's Church organization is a very interesting thing. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, very interesting.
1: Very, very much of people rather than spirit.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Um, uh, in 1656, I, I do have a bunch of these, so I'll try to go as quickly as I can. But feel that doesn't mean don't interject. Uh, yeah, I, I just realized how that came across. Uh, in 1656, Blaise Pascal published his first provincial letter weighing in on the French controversy between Janusets, uh, Jansenists and Jesuits um uh, so anybody who's a pascal fan um now's uh, the
1: time to do your shopping right The right. <laughs> holiday's right here
0: there you go uh yeah sure I, yeah, yeah i don't think it's right around the corner um uh but uh there's an interesting story Ed pascal was a interesting dude i mean um uh not just not just the mathematician right you know? uh and, and i think a lot of people don't
1: realize that yeah and one of the things to keep in mind of in Middle Ages Europe is the primary path towards education was becoming a cleric. Mm. Uh, that that you know, that's how you could get an education that didn't bankrupt your family.
0: There you go. Okay. And
1: so a lot of the people we see appropriately as very science oriented were also ordained mm. from that era.
0: Yeah. A, a quick Pascal uh, uh, side note because. It, uh, uh, he had one of his he had he had a thought exercise that, that uh, I still actually use today, which was a simple mathematical e- equation as to why he believed in God, and it was like a it was it was a, a cross section of God exists, God doesn't exist, I believe, I don't believe and then you fill in the boxes and mm-hmm. and it was basically like hey look it makes sense even if it's not re- even if even if i'm totally wrong i lead, i lead a good life mm-hmm. i treat others well i'm called to to you know to behave in this way and that's a good thing yeah so yep. so at the end of the day mathematically i think i'm choosing a the logical a, a, choice the logical choice which is the
1: life of faith
0: yeah life exactly right so uh good on you blaze um
1: and there are actually many episcopalians who made peace with organized Christianity in by coming to the Episcopal Church, which is very comfortable having people um, who <clears throat> hold only that perspective mm-hmm. and really don't have a personal faith life. But that perspective is good enough for us. Yeah.
0: Uh, 1714, the Lutheran missionary... Uh, barth i'm gonna call him uh, bartholomew because it's like a, a it, 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 it it's hard to say it's otherwise. hard to say uh engages in a dialogue about religion with uh tamil uh speaking hindus uh in india a hindu argues that since god made the world he made its religions therefore each is a path to god and uh Bartholomew uh, responded that since the religions contradict each other, only one can be from God and the rest are from Satan. Whoa! <laughs> so, so definitely putting a stamp on that argument uh, was uh, Lutheran missionary with, with Bartholomew.
1: A mic, with a mic drop.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh little wiggle room available in <laughs> yeah. that in that in that conversation, but I found that kind of interesting uh because i I found the Hindu argument quite compelling actually yeah uh, that,
1: and that's more where the episcopal church lands, yeah exactly.
0: Uh, 1789, Father John Carroll uh, establishes Georgetown College, which would go on to become Georgetown University. Uh, Where my daughter Diane graduated from. Yeah, yeah. So I know the campus Uh, relatively well. I I thought you might find that interesting. Thank you. So this day in church history. Uh, 1848, Charles Perry arrives in Australia and becomes the first uh, Anglican Bishop of Melbourne. Uh, There wasn't
1: a lot of competition for that job, by the way. (laughs) Right, sure.
0: Sure. (laughs) Because
1: remember, it was a penal colony.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, uh, the, 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 the penal, the, the the English penal code was not very forgiving. So you could find yourself on a ship on your way to Melbourne pretty quick.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There were a a vast number of them were debtors.
0: How dare, how dare you look at an, an yeah. upper class uh, uh, individual the way you did? Off to the boats with yeah. you.
1: <laughs> yeah. And what do you know? Sometimes they need a certain skill and suddenly that blacksmith had crossed the street wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Off to the boat. Uh,
0: 1893, and we see the, uh, the death of clergyman educator Phillips Brooks in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, it notes that he was an opponent of slavery, but also the author of A Little Town of Bethlehem.
1: Yeah, and he he was an
0: Episcopal cleric, so he's on our saints calendar. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so th- that might actually be his saint day. Then. It's usually, usually it's the a... date that they die, uh, right? Yeah. So I
1: haven't looked it up, but it, yeah. Um, in
0: 1908, uh, in an early example of parachurch activity, representatives of a number of Protestant men's movements meet in Chicago to federate in a loose coalition for mutual information and for cooperation. Uh, among them are the young men's Christians Association and the Brotherhood of St Andrew, as well as Methodist Baptist, Presbyterian, and Congregational
1: Brotherhoods, yeah, so um, we have an active Brotherhood of St Andrew chapter here at Holy Family yeah uh two more nineteen fifty Polish Communists take over the offices
0: of Caritas a Roman Catholic humanitarian agency hoping to reduce the influence of the Roman Catholic Church uh didn't work out <laughs> no it didn't, but also you know uh uh a lot sooner a lot more recent in history than 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 one might think yeah that. and not necessarily a lot of, i think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily tie together communism and the roman catholic church uh, uh as like necessarily being a part of that 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 back and forth like in communi- when you, when you talk about like uh Communism versus, you think of like, oh, versus like democracy, the the democracies, the Americas, uh, um, taking over a Roman Catholic humanitarian agency, uh, like, Like, you know.
1: That was in the Soviet Union's wheelhouse, you might say. Right.
0: (laughs) A lot of things were.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But in in any country that they were able to establish influence, one of the strategies was to disable any kind of church structures. Interesting. um, In part out of their philosophy of religion, but more importantly, how the political influence that yeah. organized religion could very easily uh, exercise. And they want to make sure it wasn't easy
0: to go back to an earlier this day in church history, uh, just on this podcast, uh, the, I wonder how that fared with the, the, uh, um, the, the Russian, uh, Orthodox, um, um mm. church that, that, basically declared like uh, their independence well what, what uh, if happened, that was if they were tied to it were they opposed to the communist spread they, like, they were remember? opposed
1: to the communist to the Russian revolution mm-hmm. and so they did not fare well the Russian orthodox church in the early days early decades of the soviet union the many of the orthodox churches were converted into stables and other um, disgraceful uses or mm-hmm. burned down or the the historic buildings that even the Communist Party couldn't get away with destroying were changed into museums of communism. Mm. So when the Soviet Union broke apart, the one of the instruments of government of um, stability in society uh, was the Russian Orthodox Church, which came rose right back up and is now, one of the bodies that even Putin has to be beholden to.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So
1: they had a bad few decades, um, and you know, and, and really bad. I mean, priests and bishops sent off to the gulags and stuff. Right. But now they're they're back in the seat of power,
0: huh? They're back, as they uh,
1: were with, under the czars. Uh,
0: last one, and not too long ago, two thousand and six. I found this interesting just because of uh, it, it's got a level of absurdity to it. Ooh, a good. Turkish higher court declines declines to say whether charges should be proceeded against novelist Orhan Pamuk for quote uh, this is his crime, quote unquote, insulting Turkishness, <laughs> uh, and that is because Pamuk had said. 30,000 Kurds and a million Armenians were killed in these lands and nobody but me dares to talk about it. Yeah. That's his crime. Well, that's (laughs) what—that's his potential crime. Um, but, uh, um, still showing to, to this day that there's, there's, uh, there, there, there are some, there's some weird influences that go on in, in, in the world. Um, um, the reason why, this notes it of significance is it says that the the Armenians are descendants of early Christians, um, yeah. So it's pointing out that's that's the reason why it's a church history relevant.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, to to this day, in order to be on Turkey's good size, you cannot talk about the Armenian Holocaust that took place during World War One. What Holocaust? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you had investments there <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah, but that that's that
0: which is just crazy i yeah. mean it, it, it it's but yeah, but. It, things like that are are found more in more places than I think we care to yeah. admit. um so it's uh, it's interesting mm-hmm. um well, let's go uh from this day in church history to this day in bible,
1: actually Greece. that's not bad um Segue yeah, with our first reading today, yeah.
0: Okay. So our first reading comes from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, 5 and 6, and 8 and 10. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. He read it from facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord, With their faces to the ground. So they read from the book from the law of God with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, This reads like a historical account of an event. But it doesn't exactly tell us, like, the reading itself, we don't, like, what is this event that we're experiencing? It
1: needs a lot of context.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah. Well, then context away.
1: Contextualize. Contextualize. The Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king of Babylon who released the Israelites from captivity, their exile, to return to Jerusalem and surrounding areas mm. and that king also paid for the rebuilding of the temple mm. and Nehemiah was that king's representative he was jewish but he was that king's representative and now that and since all of this return to Jerusalem the anticipation of restoration of worship it was time to reorient the people as to what it meant to be Jewish. Hmm. Now that it was legal, once again.
0: So the reading of the book of uh, the Law of Moses might have, would, would probably have still taken place while they were in Babylon, but would have done, had to have been done in secret?
1: Probably they couldn't even do it. Well, probably they could not have the scrolls hmm. with, that, with those books on them. OK, so there's a very good chance that particularly those who had been born in exile had never heard that beyond which their parents could remember hmm. of the Torah.
0: Interesting. OK, so this was like the first public. Is is this taking place in Babylon or is this taking no. place when they got back?
1: This is when they got back about uh, 445. OK, B.C.,
0: Okay, so this is basically their this is the first time that they've been able to practice their religious beliefs openly and in their home, yeah territory territory,
1: and not just practice but even know what they are gotcha what's the water gate it It's a gate in the wall around Jerusalem, okay um that I believe the derivation get... of it is that. It led to the um, wells outside the walls. Okay. So you literally walked through it to fetch water. Hmm. Later, if I'm getting the story right, and I might not be, um, later one of the leaders built a tunnel to the wells so that um, opposing armies could not lay siege to Jerusalem by cutting off the water supply.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting.
1: But I may be wrong on that. But it's gotcha. a cool story whenever it took place.
0: Um, what, uh, and those tunnels
1: still exist.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Nehemiah, you said it was kind of like the the he was Jewish himself, but he was the representative of the Babylonian king. Was he instrumental in the king making these decisions? Do we he, have any indication
1: of that? He, in terms of making the decisions to release them, mm-hmm. Probably not because the king t- made that same decision about various peoples that okay. they had taken into slavery, okay that though and this is a an approach the Romans copied later on that people would be less um, violent mm-hmm. <laughs> and pose less opposition to the government if they were allowed to practice their religion. And were not enslaved, right? Which okay. was a, a radical idea in the Middle East at that time.
0: Sure, I mean, yeah, con- conquering was king at that. Yeah, at that and point. you
1: got to do with it whatever you wanted right. to with it.
0: Either, either conquer or you lay waste. Yes, and <laughs> then take ownership. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it was an enlightened view, mm-hmm. and so, so so at this point when they when they're allowed to go back are they are they still under the babylonian empire or yeah. are they expected to be like
1: uh tributes to it like uh, and that kind of yeah so they so nehemiah okay. is the governor appointed by the king okay but unlike in the roman times he actually was jewish gotcha he wasn't just a puppet and the king in part because the distance involved gave him lots of authority in a sense over the budget. Mm. Uh, that the, the financing the king was providing to rebuild the temple gotcha. and um, help the people get settled again, Nehemiah got to make those decisions, and he was very highly um, respected and appreciated by the people, um, at least according to the scriptural accounts, hmm. that, that occur in, the, in two other places besides the book of Nehemiah.
0: So, um, how did the, how did the Israelites feel uh, uh, about this? Because like, if you were to ask me what this Babylonian King's name is, I, I don't think I would know. So I I get the feeling like, all right, uh, uh thank you for your decision. Still not happy with the situation, right. <laughs> but, uh, we will tolerate it and, 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 and be, be in, a, in, a, in a, in, in, kind of a contained way, it, happy about being able to go home and practice our religion, but we're still not, you know, you're doing the right thing, but I'm still not like, on. you know, like I'm not going to praise your name in any way, shape or form.
1: Right. Yeah. There it again, it, the, the King was seemed to be pretty wise about, you know, don't, don't, don't worry about monuments to me. Don't worry about any of that stuff. <clears throat> um, as long as you don't cause me any trouble. I'll right. leave
0: you alone. Right, and as long as uh we get a percentage of
1: what well, comes out of their taxes, land tax, but they're yeah. but <laughs> part of it. Um, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. Part of it, the the Israelite kings before this were horrible. Right, <laughs> right. I mean the, the run of the run of bad leadership and corrupt leadership had been decades long, leading to the Babylonian um, conquering, mm-hmm. and so this was a huge upgrade on. Government stability and ethics. Huh. Huh. So I'm sure there were still people saying, well, it should be me. Right. Especially somebody who was a Hebrew. Hebrew.
0: Especially anybody in the line of of you know Hebrew kings who would have who who, who had who had a successor
1: claim. (laughs) Yeah. Should be me. (laughs) Give me my throne back. Yeah, I'm just seeing if I can quickly... Nope, I cannot quickly find the king's name. But king's it, name. But it is preserved, and everyone knows what it is. Exactly um, what What is so
0: offensive in verse 4 and 7 that it gets cut out?
1: <laughs> Complicated Hebrew names. Oh, okay, okay. Which kind of like the... <laughs> we just don't want to have to pronounce those. We don't want to have to pronounce those. <laughs> And I really think that's the only reason they're not in. It. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> it's referred to in um, verse nine. Nehemiah, who is the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people. Um, in those verses we skipped, there's a list then of who those Levites are.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So okay. it
1: it doesn't it's not writing. Any group out of the history, but it's just skipping these very complicated Hebrew names.
0: Gotcha. So, and it's doing no more than be like, John was there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and his son Zebedee. Yeah.
1: <laughs> great. That's great. Thank
0: you, Nehemiah, with your very detailed
1: historic accounting. The, the The easiest name to say on this long list is Shima. Oh, okay. But the rest are, you know, two, three, four, four. Five syllables.
0: <laughs> gotcha. I gotcha.
1: And originally it would have been written with no vowels. Mm, okay.
0: <laughs> now, I, I I had said at, at, at the top of it and it kind of repeated it, this reads very much like a historical. Yes. I mean, this would be like the equivalent of like a 1940s uh, talkie news. Like, yeah, you know what it's I mean? To have that uh, feel. Yeah. yeah. Is that Nehemiah's whole book? Does he get into like philosophy and, and, and things like that? Or is he, did he approach, Uh, his writing purely like from a historical point of view.
1: Pretty much historical point of view. Okay. And there's various um, levels of embarrassment by the people who continue to, to hear about what they should have been doing in Mm -hmm. terms of worship of God. Um, But yeah, it's not like Isaiah where there's suddenly a beautiful poem (laughs) or something. Right. Um, Right. And it, it, (laughs) it repeatedly has, Multiple verses of hard-to-say names <laughs> to drive... Well, folks. a
0: historian would focus on that. You know what yeah. I mean? It would be like uh, names and places. Yeah. That's yeah. that's my...
1: We want to anchor this yeah. at a certain time and place.
0: I can write all the events I want, but a true historian gets names and places.
1: Yeah, and this actually probably is one of the most historically accurate books mm. in the entire Bible. Mm. That there's so many times where he mentions specifically specific names that they can they can nail within a year sometimes within months of when the particular event he's about to describe took place huh yeah wow. so it's pretty amazing well for then good on you 400 years yeah 400 you know? years before the birth of jesus
0: he helped oversee uh 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 tremendous return to your homeland you helped uh, install a more favorable style of government you created a historical record of it mm-hmm. um i can understand why um uh maybe maybe his uh, his writing survived and yeah and obviously didn't his name doesn't live on people's lips the way you know the prophets uh did but uh and that wasn't it that might not have been his bent no it wasn't
1: Um, but it's, it's fascinating even just to skim through the dozen chapters or so of Nehemiah. because you can look when you're reading an English translation, you look and easily see you Oh, there's a paragraph of Hebrew names again, right? (laughs) That are different from the ones prior. So it's again, anchoring it in history. Yeah.
0: You know what though? I will take it over the begats. The, 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 it's
1: very similar with the same intent.
0: It, it, yes, but like the 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 genealogy uh and I forget which book that is that ha- it goes on for so ever.
1: If you added up all of the if you added <laughs> it all up I Ohio, don't I will
0: take all that with you if it's sprinkled in them. that's fine. You but if it, it's yeah. it's uh and I can I I want to say it's one of the kings where it just goes like crazy on and on for like a, a a a full chapter and a half or something nuts like that but
1: well let me let me read you the last verse Please. two verses so please. this is Nehemiah chapter 13 okay thus i cleanse them the population mm-hmm. from everything foreign so there's that key task Ooh. of getting them away from the babylonian influences and right. other foreign influences that they picked up in babylonia uh-huh. about religion <clears throat> And I established the duties of the priests and Levites who had not been able to do their thing while in captivity.
0: Reestablishing the the core uh, principal job of of some of the tribes.
1: And Mm -hmm. doing it accurately um, according to Torah. And I provide for the wood offering at appointed times and for the first fruits offering. Remember me, O my God, for good. Hmm. Hmm. And one of the things that that may sound a little um, stilted, the final verse there, but Nehemiah purposely wanted to end this book with the word good. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So that's why it's good to have as much as possible a word-for-word translation.
0: Right. Right. You get
1: that same capturing that God and good are the last two words.
0: I like Jewish writing for that reason. Me too. They're, 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 they're smart like that. We, we're not so smart with our writing like that. Um, let's move on to the psalm then. Uh, psalm 19.
1: 19.
0: The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are, the, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul." The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, um... This definitely is because of the way it ends. It reads like a prayer more than a song or a poem, but I suppose, I suppose, there's not that much difference between those three things, right? Right. Uh, especially depending on your mood. Um, yeah. So uh, we've talked before about the the psalms coming being kind of gathered together from different. Uh, uh, types of writing from different Mm -hmm. people so tell us a little bit about Psalm 19 what do we know historically
1: well um, it probably was two different works originally Uh, verses 1 through 6 was a, a poem or hymn reflecting on the sun as an image for God Okay, and then That's followed by the rest of the psalm, which is about the Torah. Okay. Unfortunately, in English, we often do a very quick translation for Torah of saying law, but a better translation is instruction. Okay. Okay. So like in verse seven, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Um, rather than the law of the Lord is perfect because right. as Americans, we just immediately think of attorneys and courtrooms and right. The, like
0: well, and even if we don't, then we think of the, the laws that the Hebrews, uh, uh, that, that the Israelites had put together and that lived by, mm-hmm. uh, which also isn't, isn't the same thing. So like right. all, all, all the laws that are written down in the old Testament that are numerous and some of them very weird and antiquated, uh, <laughs> One would be, uh, I think, forgivably, but one would would one would be likely to think, oh, well, maybe that's the law of the Lord. Maybe that's right. what they're referring to, and that's also not the the, the reference. So, right. um Yeah, I guess that that makes that makes more sense. I mean, it might even just make more sense just to say Torah.
1: <laughs> I
0: think so. <laughs> you know, yeah, the Torah is perfect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Be, and-, and, and and then if that forces us to go. I've heard that word before. What exactly is the Torah? What
1: do we mean by Torah? Yeah, what yeah. do we mean by that?
0: Uh, because, yeah, it, using other English words, then we have pre, uh, uh, perceptions uh, um, about them ahead of time. Like we, we, we were more likely to translate that incorrectly.
1: Yeah, and, and similarly, uh, to build on what you're saying, in verses 7 through 9, anywhere that... There's a word that is law connected. Uh-huh. The word is Torah.
0: Oh, so while we say like the precepts, the commandment, maybe not the fear, or is the fear of the Lord.
1: That's that's a, a slightly different animal. I'll talk okay. about that in a sec.
0: The ordinances. So all of these are it's actually. The Torah. Yeah. So it's like repeated, you know. The Torah, uh, the Torah, the Torah is the Torah, perfect. Torah, the Torah. Reviving the this is the soul. The Torah is sure, making wise the simple. The Torah is right, rejoicing the heart. The Torah is clear, enlightening the eyes. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. What's the the fear of the Lord is how it's interpreted. What's
1: that that word um can also mean awe. The Hebrew word.
0: Okay, okay.
1: That um it, it has fit Christian theology better to um say fear, since we love we, we love to fear our creator. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, um, it is a running thread. Right. And and some within Judaism like that as well. But uh, what one just to take take a pause there,
0: one can understand why. Yeah. Uh uh I think acknowledging that we are small in this in yeah. this great universe that 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 has been created and that we get the ability to live in uh fear is a perfectly acceptable uh response to the immenseness of what we experience and how very little control we have over it. So, one yes. understands
1: that uh, yeah, when it's spelled out that way, you're right on. And and all that could be also, could be, that's why the term awe mm-hmm. also works mm-hmm. instead of fear. Unfortunately, <clears throat> we often think of fear as um, bodily fear. Right. Of God's going to smite you right if you don't obey the Torah. And this is more about if you are living in Torah, you will be able to experience that wonderful awe of God, Mm. which takes you back to the opening part of the psalm with these reflections on this God and the Son. Yeah, okay. Uh Because there there are a lot of connections there between love, awe, God's existence, and then the rest rest of the psalm is about how the law is kind of like the Son. Going across the sky. Yeah, okay,
0: yeah. I like I like awe better. Yeah, uh, fear is you know either voluntary or involuntary. Your reaction to something. Mm-hmm. Awe is a little bit more of like you don't like in a way you don't have a choice. Awe, yeah. is, awe, is like whoa. You have no choice but to experience awe in the presence of, and then you fill in. The yeah, uh, and and that makes a lot more sense because it's like you know, it's not your. It's not your interpretation of what you're experiencing. Like God is so great that awe is the only response that we can have.
1: Yeah. And in older English, that was very much part of the meaning of the word fear. So early English translations use the term fear and they couldn't get rid of it. Right. (laughs) Right. Again, part of the um, almost political decisions that go into making a Bible translation. Yeah,
0: what about the next uh, part, the ordinances of the Lord? Is that Torah again? Yep. Okay. So, so it's only that first part of verse nine that that alters from the cadence of, you know.
1: Yeah, The, pure, the right. fear of the Lord is pure. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh,
0: yeah. It almost has that that uh, love chapter cadence. Love is patient. Love yep. is kind. Love is you know. Yeah, um, that's a good uh, equivalency. So, but uh, it only has that one break. Okay. Um, and then, and then, some of this se- does seem uh, uh, obviously would be very familiar if you're if you're into uh, choral anthems. There's a, there's a lot of little yeah. references here that are that are uh, used in in music pieces uh, that that are sung. Um, a lot of lot of language uh, borrowed for for different verses and stuff like that. But uh, there's very nothing. very beautiful uh, language, especially there at the, the tail end um uh is of the of the psalm. Um anything else about
1: um verse 14 um which in this translation reads let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you O Lord my rock and my redeemer. Um that's a very traditional prayer for a preacher to say to him or herself before starting a sermon.
0: Oh okay yeah I was going to say yeah we use that you know we, we I do know that we use that in service ourselves mm-hmm. so
1: Okay. Yeah, but I—that's one of the prayers I say as I'm getting ready to preach mm-hmm. um, any Sunday or other times. I
0: don't—I don't hear my my rock or my Redeemer, and your prayer is that the
1: You're right. that you like say, that's one of the silent prayers I say. Oh, okay, okay. There are there are some clergy that that use this as the opening prayer, and instead I use the in the name of the Father Son and right. Holy Spirit, right, right? Um, Which is the humbling verse for the preacher say this ain't bruce's stuff yeah this yeah, yeah. is trying to be god stuff gotcha and it's, it's the same theology uh, as verse 14 but just a different way of saying it I, but I, I say so i say verse 14 silently so i don't take up all the time with my own prayers
0: uh do, do uh clergy also say that uh, aloud to insulate themselves and like look if you don't like it it's it's not really
1: me <laughs> I haven't, but I bet there. I bet there's some that both do and have in mind, and I'm going to throw that rock at you in a minute. <laughs> some of the less healthy clergy. <laughs> uh,
0: sorry, I thought I would throw that in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anything uh, else?
1: And that's why in the Episcopal Church we say anyone listening to this sermon should be praying for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in case the sermon's wrong. Right, there and you that, go. Yeah. The less diplomatic way of putting it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's it. (laughs) There you go. go. Uh, Well, let's move on then to our gospel reading. Yeah. uh, Coming from Luke chapter four, verse 14 through 21. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the spirit, returned to Galilee and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone when he came to Nazareth. Where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Um, This immediately, is is, is it immediate? Uh, Immediately follows last week's reading? No, 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 no. no. Okay, we went from John to Luke. Okay. Okay. Um, In Luke's um, gospel, what is the event uh, prior to this, because we we, we start with, then yeah. Jesus did this. So what was the preceding event?
1: For this gospel. For uh, this gospel. Yeah. It's um, the temptation in the wilderness. Okay. And then just two verses about Jesus returning to Galilee and starting to preach.
0: Okay. Well, okay. So, so, uh, so narratively, uh, Jesus has to be, I, I think, at this point, feeling pretty good uh, because, you know, the temptation of, of of Jesus, and I think we've said this over the years. I, I know I I have uh, in in various forms. Uh, um, for me, the temptation of Jesus has significance only if Jesus actually has temptation, right? Um, so, when he successfully does not give in to these temptations, that. He is actually tempted by, got to be feeling pretty good, uh, and going to the synagogue and like uh, this is his, this is it, it, in the Gospel of Luke. This is his announcement of like, all right, I am ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wasn't sure. Well, I, I, maybe I wasn't entirely sure before, but I am now, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm here to say in front of all of you, my ministry is now open for. <laughs> for business uh uh but he's he's ready to go um and i always read this story that uh jesus does the scroll equivalent of a mic drop
1: yes he does uh
0: which is really cool uh, a very good chris rock style walk off stage uh-huh uh, uh which which is which is fun um so he he finds um narratively on is 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 uh the going to synagogue and reading from the scroll is it like what we do on sundays where like the readings are assigned for that day
1: well okay yes the readings are assigned for that day but the what we call preacher the teacher for the service it's just like in our tradition, because we copied all this from synagogue worship, uh-huh. um, is allowed to call on a different verse to um, start the sermon.
0: Okay. So this, so so,
1: but probably it was assigned for that day.
0: Okay. Because C- it kind of seemed to me like the way this was written was that Jesus settled on this reading. That it wasn't necessarily. It wasn't necessarily just happenstance that, oh, on this day, well, uh, he's going to tie himself into the one of the Isaiah prophecies and then sit down. It kind of reads as though he makes the choice of, like, I'm going to let him know. Not so what was on the books, but I'm going to let him know.
1: Well, the the only—yes, you are right with the addition that since he had been attending synagogue— For the 30 years of his life, he may well, very well, he may very well have remembered that this was the Sabbath that this reading would come Okay, so his coming. And so that's why he went to Nazareth.
0: So so an indication that maybe it uh, it could have been spontaneous, but it also could have been planned well in advance. Like my coming out party is on this day. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, so, like a so lot you can of kind
0: of read it either way. Yeah. Uh, either, either way that, that, uh, and, speaks yeah. To you.
1: And each has its own meaning and implications. And as Episcopalians, we can embrace both simultaneously, even yeah. though they're kind of contradictory. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, look at a point of view. We yeah. could, we could, you know, and we can have a point of view on his point we of view.
1: We can play Zen and do this. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Do the back and forth. Um, so, uh, why, why this because isaiah has several prophecy references um yeah i (laughs) I mean to put it lightly to put it lightly there's a lot so why this like what's the importance of this one Uh, uh the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight of the blind to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the lord's favor um where is that in Isaiah and what is Isaiah talking about at that point in time and then maybe why 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 do we think uh Jesus chose this one because he could he could have he could have chosen any 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 of the others that uh, that that we've read over the the years as well
1: well it's one of those parts of um Isaiah where foreigners it it's part of the all people will be will stream to israel to find god
0: okay
1: and a quick summary of it Mm -hmm. um and obviously not obviously but you know that surface meaning is the most important of how jesus is claiming this identity of bringing good news to the poor proclaim the re- release of captives, recovery of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free, that this is defining the messiahship. Mm-hmm. And as we've talked about before, that's not what a lot of people were expecting the messiah to focus on.
0: Right. 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 Yeah. It, 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 it the, the more that I had said it out loud, it doesn't quite read like a prophecy. Right. It more, it, it more seems like a, a, a directive of how to behave or, Uh, um, you know, this is Isaiah saying, this is, this is the reason why I'm writing this writing you know, God wanted me to tell you, Hey, you know, let's behave this way. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's, uh, let's treat each other with love and respect. Um, and, uh, uh, so it's a, it's a different kind of, uh, uh, prophecy for Jesus to, uh, identify and say that it's now being fulfilled.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it comes from the very end of Isaiah. Okay.
0: So, so this is when they're this is when they're returning they're, slash returned.
1: They somewhere. have returned. They're, and it's very connected with what Nehemiah describes in this morning's reading. And so people are being restored to the proper relationship with God, both in terms of who God is which is what Jesus is referring to, and what's the right relationship of humanity with God, mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. in ethics and in worship. Hmm. So, um, so it, it's like hidden in between the eyes.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of wonder uh, what it would be like to put myself into the shoes of the crowd though yeah. i mean because we start off in 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 this story of there's a rumor i mean it, it calls it a report but you know yeah it's a rumor uh there wasn't like a written bulletin that was there <laughs> sure uh so there's a report uh, about him spreading throughout uh the countryside the country starting to get known mm-hmm. um and when he after he reads this they're all looking at him um I'm not sure if that's you indicated. Like a uh, the teacher uh, 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 would would read from the scroll and then and, and then teach on it. So is the implication like the normal process here is you read and then you say something, and Jesus reads, sit down, sits down, ah, and then says something. That was the normal
1: procedure. Okay, okay. Because, so people
0: were waiting for like, what are you going to say about this? Yeah. Okay.
1: That. Synagogues and I I was really lucky, I got to go to the Holy Land a couple times and see the synagogue that was built on top of the synagogue that Jesus was in, a um, couple decades after Jesus had been there. Synagogues, as most public spaces were, were built with the idea that speakers, singers, performers would be on the floor. And the audience would be on risers. Okay. So in order to be thoroughly seen, the speaker would sit. Mm. And within Judaism, that was the long tradition that the the teacher of the law, teacher of Torah, would sit on the ground um, so that as many people as possible could gather around and... Uh, and hear what the teacher was saying, and in Jewish teaching of this day, it's not supposed to be a monologue; it's supposed to be a dialogue.
0: Gotcha. Uh-huh. So that
1: would limit how many people could be in that crowd, in order for the teaching to take place effectively. Mm-hmm. So synagogues were not as large as the temple, um, for instance, the one in Capernaum. I'm I'm putting on my Uh, Priest had I bet it could seat maybe 110. Okay, Um, but they were not concrete. There were stone risers Mm -hmm. going up, and Jesus. They probably had a a short chair for the preacher to sit on, Mm -hmm. but Jesus would sit down, and then people would settle in and kind of okay. Now we're going to be taught, right? And he didn't say a lot. (laughs) I mean, he basically said one line. Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've been, well, that's the shortest sermon we've had in this <laughs> place. And, so, and that's why preachers love the next line and all spoke well of him. <laughs> <laughs> it was a one line sermon. Right. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, take
0: note. Yeah. <laughs> shorter sermons. We all like shorter sermons.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so
0: the the account here indicates like there wasn't like you had pointed out that it's it's more of a dialogue, not a monologue. Yeah. So, this one was a monologue, it, it, according to the account. You kind of get the impression
1: that that was it. <laughs> it it's quite possible. It's also just as possible that. For the sake of brevity, Luke wasn't going to include the whole thing. Luke, well, I, I guess that
0: makes sense because as a writer, you don't want to include the conversation that w- if it did occur, would have surely occurred, which would have been, uh, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> huh? <laughs> like, are we, are we done setting the captives free? Like, yeah. we, did we, did, did, did we, we accomplish it? Did the, Yeah. Are we done? You know, Jeremy, what, what do you say? Yeah. Are
1: we are we done? Yeah. You know, Zachariah, has your brother gotten back from the Roman prison yet? Right. Yeah. And you know, that's one thing to keep in mind is setting the captives free was of huge concern
0: sure. because
1: the Romans had so many uh, Jews imprisoned and being tortured right. and getting ready to be executed.
0: Yeah. And when it was written, uh, they they themselves were freed captives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so uh yeah, I yeah, and then the second half of the conversation would have been like, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're right. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse I'm me. probably gonna be hauled off right after
1: this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, j- Jesus, is this retroactive? Right. right. <laughs> and if I get arrested tomorrow, will you free right. again? Lots
0: of questions here, j <laughs> Dog. Yeah, <J-Dawg>. uh,
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and again, they were encouraged. I mean, the the, the norm. Uh-huh. was to offer lots of questions. And it, it's just like that thing of um, today, on any level of uh, presentation in American society, you know, are there any questions? And if there are none, then the speaker probably is pretty embarrassed.
0: Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's like, oh, no one is awake still. Right. Or And so, it, yeah, and so the expectations were, since he was, since it says... Um, all and all spoke well of him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. There's a very good presumption that there was conversation. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah. I I, I wonder if Jesus was did the, the very uh, uh, I shouldn't say traditional the the the, um, uh, the the image that we have of rabbis and the conversations that then precede scripture writing is like somebody in the audience says what do you mean what does that mean and jesus i wonder if jesus the rabbi was like what do you think it means
1: yeah that and that is the rabbinical style
0: yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. what do you
1: think
0: which is a little inferior and you're like if i knew what it meant i want to ask the question <laughs> <laughs> i'm american and i want the answer not that
1: not a di- not really a dialogue yeah. what does that mean
0: Probably. what are you talking about
1: Probably the worst strategy American could have for understanding Jesus would be the time machine to go hear a sermon in person from Jesus.
0: Right, 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 right.
1: What, 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 what? Everyone's talking. I don't understand even the questions. And he's answering questions with questions. What? This isn't helping at
0: all. Never mind. I'm going back. Yeah. Never mind. This gonna, is a bad idea. I'm going to go find Calvin
1: in history. Calvin was always willing to say what's
0: what? Right, right. I need someone to step in and in an, just
1: I just got do, say, in an icky way. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what else uh uh about this um this reading? I mean, this is our third uh Sunday of the Epiphany, so yeah. one one can see what the quote unquote epiphany uh it is lending itself to be uh not only was he revealed to the wedding in cana he's now revealing himself uh uh not only not only to a different group of people or some maybe some of them might even be the same but uh he, he himself is saying words about this whereas before it was a little bit of like uh Hey, that was me. But like, no, I don't want. I don't. I you right. know. I don't want credit with the with, with necessarily with the wine. He's not out there saying like, I myself have done this. This is more of a I myself. Well, yeah.
1: In in Luke, this is essentially the turning water into wine story. Right. This is the first, um, re- explained in a sense public act. Right. It, it, there's a little line at, that. Um, people that he began to teach in the synagogues and was praised by everyone but coming to Nazareth that's again where he grew up um, if we if the passage had continued a little bit it would have had the people not so happy with him saying hey isn't this Joseph's son
0: right right
1: and so it it really is the toughest part mm-hmm. the toughest place to start revealing one's identity yeah. In this case, uh, Jesus is the Messiah, the one promised to right. Israel.
0: But I do, I definitely do see the difference between last week's Epiphany and this week's Epiphany. Yeah. This one's more assertive. It, 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 like, yes, it is for at least for me. It, like, yeah. this is Jesus Himself saying these
1: words in front of everyone. Right. Right. Yeah, it's not just the servants, like in the turning water into wine, that's right. what's
0: happening, or being egged on by his mom, as we kind of dis- yeah. discussed, like. You know, I I myself am saying this. uh, Mom's not here to. Mom's not the one saying that I should say this. My mom said I should come up here and tell you all that (laughs) today the scripture is being fulfilled in your in your hearing. Um, So
1: (laughs) yeah, and what's interesting is Luke starts. This is basically starting the public ministry of Jesus. Yeah, in Mark and Matthew, it comes much later Mm. in Jesus's public ministry. They they have the uh, similar story of Jesus um, preaching at Nazareth in the synagogue and getting a little friction afterwards, which we again didn't get to in this reading today. But they each have it almost halfway through. His public ministry.
0: Yeah, their 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 version of his public ministry makes it seem as though it was like very brief.
1: Well, I won't say brief, but they emphasize the physical healings,
0: right, 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 right,
1: as the most important thing that took place at the beginning. His healings and exorcisms. Okay. Whereas Luke is much more, you might say, literarily oriented. So he brings in. This passage from Isaiah, um, the sermon, very brief account of the sermon. Mm -hmm. um, And this paves the way for the numerous made up stories that Jesus will tell that don't occur anywhere else in the Bible. Gotcha. Like the the Good Samaritan story, Mm -hmm.
0: uh, a lot of the parables,
1: the the prodigal son, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Very good.
0: Well, uh, Bruce, we look forward to our one-sentence sermon homily uh, <laughs> next week.
1: Uh, and it will not be, and this is fulfilled in your hearing. Because <laughs> then I do deserve to be driven out of fissures and <laughs> seek to cast me off a hill. though. Probably have to move a couple states over to do that. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, with that, I think we'll call to a close this your podcast for January twenty third, the twenty uh, of twenty twenty two, the third Sunday after the Epiphany in Year C. Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to uh, worshipping with you this coming week. Uh, however, it works for you, uh, eight and ten in person, ten o'clock uh, live on our YouTube channel. Uh, visit our website, H uh, Holy Family Fishers. Dot org uh for all the deets on things uh and uh we look the forward- kids don't say that the kids absolutely do kids get in the comments uh no uh, <laughs> uh but uh, again we want to thank you so much and uh until next week i'm ben and i'm bruce and we'll talk to you later bye-bye bye